Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast, where you get real and practical advice on how to go from wearing boots to wearing a suit. We've got you covered on advice from writing resumes to killing it in an interview. Be sure to check out this podcast and more at transitionvetcoach.com. And now your host, former Navy Lieutenant Pat Bergstresser. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we provide actionable advice for veterans getting off, getting off active duty and moving into corporate America, into the civilian workforce. This is transition tip number five, where we're going to talk about key, the key skills section of the resume. If you're not familiar with the format that we use uh, please head over to transitionvetcoach.com and go check out our resume format page blog post where we talk about the format that we recommend. Go check that out so you can follow along with every single transition tip that relates to the resume. Like I said, this one is about the key skills and the key skill section is a unique section on the resume because it is where you can spell out what you're good at and you can also uh, tell a story of what your skill set is and what value you can bring to an organization. Uh, It's also uniquely important because Uh, It's just as important for the reader as it is for the application process. And what I mean by that is if you go apply at any large organization, smaller organizations, you may not see this, but certainly large ones, you're going to have to submit your application online. Even if you know the CEO of the company, you still got to put your resume in the system because that's just how they capture you and all your personal information. You're going to have to apply online. Most of the time, you're not going to know the CEO. Even if you know some other people, you're still going to have to apply online, and you're going to have to put it all your information in there. And nine times out of ten, you might have one or two connections there that you can figure out, but you're going to need some help getting through that process most of the time. And one of the ways that <clears throat> that you can get through that process is by having a well-set-up key skills section. It's important because if you build this section out properly, you can get through the filters, but a lot of times when you apply for a job, nobody even sees your resume. There's a, a algorithm behind the scenes on the application website or the careers page that's filtering out people that aren't even remotely a fit. For example, if the job requires a college degree and you don't have one, no one is even going to look at your resume. This system is going to know before anyone looks at a resume who is just a basic qualified candidate. And if you don't even fit those basic qualifications, no one's even going to look at your resume. And Unfortunately, it's a necessary evil because hundreds, if not thousands of people apply for positions every day, and there isn't enough time in the day or in the week to go through every single resume by one person or or even a team of people. So the HR department manages this, but there is some sort of algorithm or program behind the scenes that's automatically filtering out resumes, and you want to make sure you get past that process. And one of the ways you can do that is through a well-structured key skill section, and not only just structuring that section properly, but also dropping and sprinkling those key skills throughout your resume so that your resume is telling the story you want to tell. So when it comes specifically to the key skill section, we're going to look for six to 12 key skills that you want to highlight and you want to tell Uh, the story of what you're good at and what you're looking to do with. The placement of this, the reason we have it placed uh, where we have it on the resume, which is the second section down, is because this is a primer for the reader. These are, hey, these are the things I'm good at, and you're going to see these exemplified in the professional experience section. And so it's just a way to prime the reader uh, as they get going into your resume. So like we said, it's 6 to 12, and you want these skills to be cohesive. You want 
people to, as they read these, you don't want all kinds of different skill sets hitting, hitting people at different times. You want it to be, uh, you know, three or four that are for one specific way you want to display yourself to the reader and maybe another three or four, maybe three or four are leadership and three or four strategic planning and the other three or four are, uh, you know, organizational management. You want to kind of, you don't just want random skills all over the place because then the pe- people reading it aren't really going to know what are you trying to tell them. And in the people who are reading this resume, when it actually gets to someone to, to be read, all they care about is what can you do for me? That's all they want to know is what what value and skill set can you bring to our organization? They don't care what you want to do. I mean, they want you to be happy if you come to work for them. But really, they're trying to see, hey, this is what we're looking for this role to fill. Can this guy or girl actually do it? And that's really all they care about, just to be honest with you. Now, when you get to the actual interview, then they're going to see if they actually like you. And we'll talk about interview tactics and and uh, you know, uh, having been someone who has gone through the interview process of getting out and and now sitting on the other side of the interview uh, as as a recruiter and, and doing recruiting for my company, uh, it's definitely really different. It's been really enlightening. But we'll get to all that later. Right now, we just want to talk about key skills. So when you're looking at key skills, there's two types. There's hard skills and soft skills. Hard skills are specific skill sets that you might have. You know, maybe you speak a foreign language, so you can say fluent in Spanish. Again, don't put that on there if it's not relevant to the job or you don't think anybody cares, but if that's that's an example of a hard skill. Another one might be data analysis, uh, maybe financial forecasting, something like that. A soft skill generally are the ones that are more desirable by companies. Those are the ones uh, that are maybe leadership, you know, something about leadership, something about management, and those are the ones that that are harder to find for companies and a lot of times take experience to gain and are what hold the culture of a company together. Uh, and leaders, quite frankly, uh, are just hard to find. It's easy to find someone who can go to college, get a couple skills, and go work for a company and work at their cubicle and get their job done. It's a lot harder to find somebody who actually has leadership experience. And that's really one of the big values that veterans can bring to organizations is they've been in leadership roles. Even if you were, and we've talked about this many times before on this podcast, even if you were just like an E3, I mean, you have a lot of leadership experience. You were in charge of somebody more than likely. I mean, my E3s had like one or two E2s reporting to them, you know, so it was a very vertical, you know, the military is very vertically organized, meaning, you know, there's a lot of layers of leadership. Um, and honestly, it's not the most efficient way to do things, but it works for the military. And when you're getting out, it works for you because you have some sort of leadership experience. And in the civilian world, you can spend your whole professional career and never have a single direct report. If you're just a rock star executor and you don't want to be a leader, you don't have to, and you can still make a lot of money. But one of the benefits that you, uh, that you can add to an organization that you're looking to work for is you have that leadership experience. So when it comes to these top, uh, you know, these top desired uh, soft skills, there's five that are sort of universally known as the ones that companies are really looking for. And I have to credit Zeddy.com where, where I got this. There's a couple other sites where I found uh, sort of the same thing, but this these specifically come from Zeddy.com. So it's communication, specifically written and verbal. So now when we're talking about communication and uh, you know both written and verbal. Think about how much specific, you know, particularly officers, but even enlisted as well. Think about how much writing you had to do, whether you had to write emails to to your unit or your you know your overall command, or maybe you were 
running, you know, a collateral duty. Maybe you were doing the, you know, the Sapper program or you were working in the Equal Opportunity program or whatever, and you had to develop some sort of communication to get information about that program out to the command, or whether you were writing the first draft of your Fit Rep or Eval or OER or whatever. You know, I always wrote the first draft of mine just so I could learn to write better. And if you were, uh, if you were more senior, if you're a senior enlisted or an officer, you were writing a, and, and editing a lot of uh, fitness reports and just performance reports in general for, for all the people that work for you. So uh, there's a lot of written experience that comes from being in the military. And then verbal. Pretty much everybody has had to stand up in front of the unit of a certain, you know, whether it's just a platoon or, or you know, a flight or a small group uh, uh, or fire team or something like that and talk to those people in public or whether you were the command fitness leader and you were in front of hundreds of people, whether it was for your company, your battalion, you know, your ship to your department, whatever, most people in the military have some sort of verbal communication skills where they've had to communicate themselves in front of a group in a public scene or a public setting. And public speaking is terrifying to most people. And I mean, honestly, it makes everybody a little bit nervous. But by being in the military and having been forced into those situations, you have developed a skill set that honestly, a lot of people don't have. And because you come from the military, you don't even realize it. You don't even realize how nervous and how terrified people are of public speaking. I can remember when I was uh, an ensign, I went back home for Christmas, and the Sunday after Christmas, my church does a college Sunday where they have two or three college students deliver the sermon. I wasn't in college anymore. I had just recently graduated the summer prior, but the youth minister at my church had hit me up on Facebook and said, hey, would you come speak as part of the sermon? And I said, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm Christian. I don't go to church like all the time. I'm like, I'm not the most studious, you know, Christian. And I said, I I don't know that I could really write a sermon. And he was like, well, can you just talk about, you know, way that, you know, God has influenced your life or, you know, maybe something you're going through and how you found uh, strength through, through your faith. So I thought about it. and, And at that time I had been medically disqualified from aviation when I had I had I had specifically transferred or commissioned into the Navy instead of the Air Force. I, uh, for those who aren't familiar, I went to the Air Force Academy, and I found out I was colorblind. But then I found out the Navy said that I was vision, you know, color vision qualified. So I cross commissioned into the Navy instead of the Air Force. Uh, went to pilot training, and then they changed their minds and they said, actually, you are colorblind. You can't fly for us. And that was kind of going on at that point in time. And so that's what I chose to talk about at the sermon. And anyway, I, you know, I gave the, it was like 10 minutes, whatever, spoke in front of my church. And at the end of church, as most of you who go to church know, uh, the, the whole congregation will shake hands with the pastor on their way out. Well, the youth minister was the head pastor for that service. Uh, so he was at the exit. And then me and the other two, uh, I think there was two other girls that spoke. We all stood next to him and shook hands as people were coming out. And there was a lot of people who, uh, you know, just were saying, hey, great sermon, you know, appreciate the story, whatever. And I remember one guy in particular was so struck by just me being, I think I was 19 years old at that time, speaking in front of a large group. Um, and as a cadet, or no, I wasn't 19, I was 23. I was, <laughs> this is after college. I was 23. And I remember him talking uh, to me for just a few seconds about how that struck him as something he could never do. And this guy's like in his 40s. He's like a dad. He was there with his kids. And so, you know, the point of the story is by being in the military, you have a lot of public speaking experience and probably more than you realize. Even if you're just talking with a couple people, there's some aspect of that 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 there's value in. And you might not realize it, but 
it's you'll find when you get out, there are people who have a hard time communicating one-on-one, let alone in front of a group. And so that's why the number one is communication. That's why so many organizations want it. The second is leadership. I'm not going to belabor this point. I think you all know that the value that leadership, uh, the value of leadership and, and how much it's developed uh, in military veterans, that's probably the number one thing that we're known for. So I won't belabor that one. The next is planning and strategic thinking. Oh my God. If you're a junior military officer, uh, or, or a senior NCO or any type of officer or anybody in the military, you know how much planning and strategic, uh, thinking you've had to do. Every freaking thing we do in the military is planned. Every I is dotted. Every T is crossed. It's unbelievable. And then on top of that, um, if you've worked at a higher command, you guarantee, I guarantee you've been involved in strategic thinking, planning, mul- uh, you know, some sort of evolution or exercise for multiple units, um, integrating, doing cross-functional collaboration with, between different departments, different units, different services, everything in the military is joint now. I guarantee you, you have value in that. So number three is planning and strategic thinking. Number four is analytical thinking and research. The one thing I'll say about this, if you have had to get involved in any sort of planning or any sort of execution on a detailed level, then then you definitely have this down. Uh, if there's one thing that that was emphasized to me growing up in my family, I come from a military family, as being detail-oriented. And that's because my parents were officers and they were detail-oriented because that comes with the nature of being in the military. So if you're detail-oriented, which if you're a veteran, you are, then you've got this one, analytical thinking and research. And then the last one is teamwork and collaborative work. Everything we do in the military is teamwork and collaborative. Every unit, you know, whether you were in a small department in the Navy on a ship and it was 10 people, or you were on an aircraft carrier working with the whole, the entire carrier unit as a whole, which, you know, anywhere from three to 5,000 people, whatever the case is, you are working with big teams or small teams, and you know how to work with other people. And in the military, it's a little more culturally acceptable to yell and scream and stuff. But hey, sometimes that's how we get stuff done in the military. Now, when you get out, you can't yell and scream. That is not going to work for you. Uh, I can I can definitely tell you that. But the bottom line is, you've gone through those growing pains of learning how to work with other people. And you figured out that yelling and screaming usually doesn't work. The military is unique in that it does sometimes work. Uh, but, but the bottom line is you've worked on teams and you've worked with people and you know how to collaborate and bring the team together and get things done. And while it might seem, and the one thing I want to stress, a lot of these might seem second nature. You might, might not even realize them. You might even think, what is this? What is Pat talking about? Like these aren't valuable skills. Believe me, I, I haven't even been out that long, guys. I've been out a year and a half, and it is more and more apparent every day the types of skills that we have and as, as veterans, and most of them are soft. We're, we, we don't usually come with a lot of hard skills when we come out, but those soft skills are so important because they take time to develop. And the experience that we have in the military uniquely develops us to have these skills and it works in our favor that everybody wants them. So, so just remember that uh, those are the top five when you're looking at developing your key skill section. Now, what's important is you need to add a little zip to them. Don't just say, I'm a good communicator, right? You don't want to say something like that. You want to say, like, here's one that I use. I use people-focused leader. Because what it says is it says, hey, this guy's a leader. He has some sort of leadership experience is what he's telling us with this statement. But he's people-focused because that's my style of leadership. I'm all about the people. I'm all about getting to know people and developing relationships with people so that I can better lead them and have a better connection with them and build a better team. Another one you could do is you could say you're a team builder instead of 
just the generic word teamwork. You know, teamwork was number five. But so, but but instead of saying teamwork, you could say team builder. If you say t- your team builder, not only are you saying you know how to work on a team, but you can actually build teams, which is a lot easier said than done. But every single one of you have done it. So that that's just those are just two examples. But just don't take the generic word. Add a little bit of zip to it. Give it. You make it a little bit unique. Make it stand out. So when somebody reads it, they're not just glossing over it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've read a page in a book, and when I get to the bottom of the page and I turn it, I don't even remember what I just read. You don't want that to have. Ha- you don't want that to happen when you write these these sentences. If they just sound generic, people are going to gloss over them, and they're not going to remember it. But if you add a little bit of zip, make it a little bit different. People, you know, want people to go hmm. When they read it, okay, you want that hmm moment, and then that entices them to continue to read. So that's really what we're trying to go for here. Now, when it comes to how do you figure out what words and key skills to use when you're applying for a specific job, here at Vet Coach we have a little bit of a pro tip. Okay, this is a pro tip that I learned from somebody who who works. Uh, he he's a basically an investment banker. He trades mortgage backed securities at a bank. And I had connected with him through American Corporate Partners. American Corporate Partners is a fantastic uh, nonprofit organization that supports veterans. Uh, I highly recommend them. I'll do a whole separate podcast on them and my experiences. Um, But they are so awesome. They connect you with really senior people in corporate America based on what you're looking to do. And at this point in time, I, I had already gotten out, but I was looking to refine my resume and learn a little bit about different industries within the within corporate America. You know, I'm working in manufacturing now, which I like and it's good, but I wanted to learn a little bit more about financial services. I was just curious. And so I got connected with this guy who trades mortgage-backed securities at Wells Fargo. And uh, he was awesome. He gave me a ton of great advice. We really just talked about my resume and refining that because um, I don't really know anything about banks and I didn't really want to talk to him about banks. I mean, we talked a little bit about it because that's what he does, but I was just more interested in, in just professional development and talking to people in different industries and it's just just sort of you know, learning, learning about what's out there, which is going to be a constant effort. Once you get out, you're not going to have it figured out. I believe me, I didn't, but you're going to continue to learn. And this was just something where I was just continuing to do some professional development on my own. And so they linked me up with this guy. And one of his tips was, you know, I said, Hey, you know, you know, in my job right now, I went through recruiter, so I didn't really have to apply online. Uh, You know, do you have any recommendations of when you're applying to a company online? And he actually had a really good one. He said, what you do is you go to the job you want. So in this example, you know, I'm going to show you an example on bankofamerica.com. Bank of America is like a 400,000 uh, person organization or 200,000, something like that. It's huge. And uh, like half of their, all of their employees are based in Charlotte, North Carolina. So let's just say you want to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, and you want to be a compliance manager. Uh, and let's say you want to be a compliance manager because you are really a stickler on active duty for the regulations. You really like getting into the details and making sure everything uh, is punctuated correctly and done correctly. And in banking, this is like huge because they get they, they we all know the financial collapse that happened in 2008 there's been other financial uh violations by the banks uh you know in years prior uh and so it costs them a lot of money when they have the when they violate these regulations and there's a lot of them so they have huge compliance departments so let's just say you want to be a compliance manager what you do to figure out what key skills are associated with that job you want your resume to connect with that application you go to the page if you and if you want to see this in 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 action just go check out the blog post on this. We already posted it online. Go to transitionvetcoach.com, go to the blogs and check out the key skills post. 
Uh, but you'll find uh, in there, we, we took the description and we went to uh, a WordCloud website. I think we went to wordclouds.com. I, I'll check out the post. It'll tell you which one it was. But you just Google WordClouds and go to any of them. You take the full description, you know, it's several hundred or thousand words, copy paste it, throw it into the WordCloud, and generate the WordCloud. And what that's going to do is show you the most commonly used words or will be the biggest font in the WordCloud. And so when we did this, uh, the top five that came out for this job. Now it'll get rid of the thes and the ums and the or not ums, but the thes, the a's, the ins, outs. You know, regular words. It'll get rid of those. So and if it doesn't, just tell it to get rid of the common words. But most most of them do that. Wordclouds.com did it for me. So anyway, the top five were regulatory, compliance, risk, operational, and business and implementation were like tied for number five. Uh, so you can go look at it. You also see there's some terminology that popped up in there. Uh, there was a couple acronyms, C and O-R, C-O-R-M, G-B-A-M. There's a couple acronyms. And so what you can do with that, quick side note, take those, Google them, figure out what they mean. So that when you get to the interview, you can drop these acronyms like you know what you're talking about. Then you sound real smart. You, you look prepared. You look professional. You look completely bought into the position and the industry you're trying to get into. So that's one tip with the word cloud. But back to the main point. The main point is, these are the top five words that came from it. So so first one, regulatory. We'll take the first two, regulatory and compliance. Guys, when you, when you look at these top five, all of these should pop out to you instantly. You should be like, oh my God, I did this on active duty. Regulatory compliance? Guys, every single inspection you ever did, that's regulatory compliance. How many times were you an inspector? You know, in the Air Force, they have an entire department, standardization and evaluations. You know, when I was, when I was in the CBs, I was in a, a battalion in Gulfport, Mississippi. We got inspected like every day. <laughs> I was equal opportunity officer. I got inspected on my binder, made sure I was, you know, running that program effectively. Every single, you know, just to deploy, you have to go through some sort of certification exercise. That's an evaluation. That's regulatory compliance. You know, uniform inspections down to basic training. I mean, making sure your boots are shined, like as silly as it sounds, that's regulatory compliance. Now, it's not the same, but the they'll teach you what you need to know about working in a bank, unless you're applying for a really senior role. More often than not, if you're working in these roles, they'll teach you, you know, the basics of what you need to know. They'll give you the reference manuals. They'll, they'll give that information to you. They're looking for people who have experience with knowing how to abide by regulations in this case. And you can say, hey, I, I've never worked in a bank. But I know exactly what you guys are looking for. And while I was on active duty, I did this. The next one we'll talk about is risk mitigation. So risk was number three. So you can say, hey, instead of using the term risk on key skills, we talked about that's boring, but you can say risk mitigation. Well, how many ORM briefs have you been to? How many Friday safety briefs have you been to? Operational risk management. I mean, every single evolution that I ever did in the Navy, we had to do some type of ORM assessment and fill out a bunch of safety worksheets about how we're going to make sure that nobody gets struck by lightning and nobody gets run over by, you know, an MRAP or whatever the case is. Like, we've all done this, okay? It, it just takes a little bit of thought when you start looking at these and you start to realize, hey, I've done this. We have a vast, vast experience in the military. We might not have super detailed in everything, but we've got a vast swath of experience, of things that we've done in the military. And more often than not, you can tie these key skills to something that you did. And we recommended in the last podcast, and we're recommended it here again, get all your performance reports from your entire time on active duty and read them. Read every single one. Because as you do, it's going to remind you and force you to reflect on everything that you did. And as you do that, and you're working on these sections, in this case, key skills, 
something, you're going to start to jog your memory and start to remember, well, hey, I've done that. I, I can correlate this to that. And, you know, look, I'll say it again. Don't be don't be disingenuous. I mean, I talk about this all the time on the podcast. Don't make up stuff, okay? I'm not advocating for that. But what I am saying is be confident and and present yourself honestly to who you're interviewing with. If you say you have regulatory compliance experience and you get into the interview and they say, hey, you said you have this key skill. Can you talk about why? Be like, hey, up front, I never worked in a bank. My resume says it says I wore a uniform for the past eight years or whatever. But but what I mean by that is what we did in the military. And then you tell a story about how you have experience with regulatory compliance. All right. It's all a word game sometimes in this case. And we as veterans have this kind of experience. So the bottom line is. Having key skills and using that pro tip of the word cloud and and finding the right key skills is hugely important getting through the online application process. You need to have a 70 to 80% match with the, uh, for most of these HR uh, programs that, that sift through resumes automatically. If you're not 70 to 80%, you're not even getting through. All right. And there are certain things that you don't have a lot of control over. If you didn't get to go, go to college and the job requires a college degree, you're going to have a hard time getting around that. But key skills is whatever you want to put down. Now, again, be honest. Don't put stuff on there that you can't back up. But if you can find a way to justify these key skills so that you match up with that job really well, by all means, take advantage and, and use that pro tip and fill out your key skills to tell the story that you want to tell to that organization. Another good place to look is LinkedIn profiles. Go on LinkedIn and you can get a free uh, premium account on LinkedIn by being a veteran. We'll do, I, I, there's going to be multiple podcasts probably on LinkedIn. There's a lot of stuff to talk about there. But uh, so we'll talk about that later. But if you're already on LinkedIn uh, and you already have the premium account, you can go search Bank of America compliance officer or compliance manager, whatever the thing was, and it'll show you who those people are, and then go look at their profile. Not everybody's going to be on there, and not everybody's going to fill out their profile, but there are people who have well-filled out profiles on link on LinkedIn, and you can go look, and they'll talk about what their jobs were. Maybe they were a compliance manager at a different bank before that, and you can get an idea of what they did somewhere else. And all of this is just building your knowledge of whatever you're looking to do and just familiarizing yourself with what this role is. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time but it's going to pay dividends when you get into the interview and they're like, they think that you're going to go in there and use cuss words and use military jargon, but you go in there and you're clean shaven, your haircut looks good, you look great in a suit or you know a skirt and a blouse, whatever, and you're just rolling through these terminologies, just blowing people away. And meanwhile, you're professional, you're clearly communicating because you come from the military, you're confident because you've got experience leading people. I mean, you're going to, blow, you're going to knock their socks off. All right. But all of this takes preparation. And if there's, again, if there's one thing we've done in the military, we've prepared. I mean, every freaking deployment, it's like a 12 month in the Navy. It's a 12 month prep cycle just to go on a deployment for six months. I mean, we prepare twice as long as it takes to actually go execute. So anyway, uh, LinkedIn profiles are great, uh, prep. Once you finish your resume, and at this point, many of you may not be done with it because, you know, key skills is the second section. But once you're done with it, so bookmark this website, jobscan.co.co. Jobscan will take the description for the job that you're applying for, and you copy-paste in your resume, 
because and you copy paste everything, not just a certain section, the whole resume. Don't worry about formatting. This is just a key skills match. And what what it will do, and again, go look at this blog post on transitionvetcoach.com to see uh, an actual screenshot of what this looks like, or just go to jobscan.com or jobscan.co. But you'll post in your resume, you'll post in the job description, and then it'll do a match. It'll actually look, it, it'll tell you what percentage match you get. Now remember, we're looking for 70 80%. Uh, Jobscan recommends 80%. If you don't have 80%, it's going to give you advice and tips on how you can build your resume. Now there's some pro, there's some like paid aspect of it. I don't think you really need that, you know, and, and unless you, you really feel like it's justified and you're really struggling. But more often than not, if you follow these kind of tips that we're advising, you should really be able to easily get to 80%, no problem. But again, this, this whole pro tip thing, is only relevant if you're applying to a big, big organization. Smaller companies, they're going to actually read your resume. So it's kind of nice. Uh, but the big organizations, everybody knows them. You know, they're sexy if you're applying to Apple or Facebook. They don't have the time in the day to read all these applications. And so being able to get through that online filter along with networking, networking is, is way more important than this. And, and we'll have plenty of podcasts about that. And we'll bring on people to talk about how important networking is. But Every single thing you can do to stand out helps, and this is definitely one of them. So once again, remember, 6 to 12 key skills for the actual format. It's bullets, and it's three columns. Go look on the uh, resume format blog post where we show you the sections and show you how they're formatted. Um, But it's three columns, 6 to 12 bullets, so either two per column, three per column, or four per column. Make sure it's even, symmetrical, all that. And, And really what you're trying to do is... The resume that you're going to submit for a particular position needs to match up with the description. So use the word cloud. Make sure you're working in those top five desirable skills, uh, which one more time are communication, leadership, planning and strategic thinking, analytical thinking and research, and teamwork or collaborative work. Remember, don't just put those straight words in there. Add a little zip. Add a little pizzazz so you can articulate that skill directly to you, you know, whether, you know, what, what type of leadership style you have or what kind of communication style or, you know, maybe your planning, the way you plan is unique and you want to show that off, whatever the case is, just add a little twist to that that gives a little personality and it makes that reader once again go, hmm, and then they are enticed to continue to read. So anyway, that's all we have uh, this time, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Head to transitionvetcoach.com and check out all of our free content there. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff going on. We put up blog posts uh, and all of these podcasts online regularly, so continue to check it out. You can always subscribe to our newsletter on there. If you just go to the main page, it'll pop up, and and you can tell us what service you are in and and, uh, just give us your email. I promise you we don't send that that many emails at all. We'll just let you know when new content is up there, so you can go check it out. Believe me, I'm subscribed to way too many newsletters, and I am subscribed from them all the time. We are not going to bombard you with information. We're just going to tell you, hey, there's some free stuff, and go check it out. And if you don't want to, then you don't have to. Um, But definitely sign up. That way you stay up to date with everything we're putting out. We're always putting out free content. And right now, at this point, we're just a blog and a podcast. Uh, But we have a lot of other things and a lot of other uh, stuff in the works that's coming soon. And we just want to make sure you guys know about it. All this this content is free, and and we just want to get it out there to all these veterans so that we can help everybody transition. Uh, we learned so much from going through this, all the people that we're going to bring on this podcast, and uh, we just want to, to continue to spread that information. The last thing we end every podcast with is a Winston Churchill quote. It is one of my favorite quotes and definitely my favorite Winston Churchill quote. 
Um, and it goes something like this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. We talk about this on every podcast. You're going to apply for jobs and your key skill section may not cut the mustard or maybe another part of your resume doesn't cut the mustard or maybe you screw up an interview or you're just not a good cultural fit and you get a no. You're probably going to get a fair amount of no's when you interview. I did. Everybody does. But what you have to remember is you just need one yes and what defines you as an individual is picking yourself back up and going out there and, and getting at it. And just because you get a job, you know, success is not final. Just because you get a job doesn't mean it's going to be the right fit. You might work there for a year or two or three years and be like, you know what? I don't, I don't like this place. I mean, it's, it's like 70% of veterans leave their first job within two years. So just because you had a success doesn't mean your transition is done. And failure is not fatal. You, you are going to fail at interviews and not get a job you want. But that's okay. You're going to find something you like. You're going to get there. And what defines you as an individual, and more specifically a veteran, is the courage to continue. There are many times on active duty when you failed at something and you picked yourself up or your buddies picked picked you up, dusted you off, and you kept going. And that experience, like so many other experiences, is going to help you be successful as a civilian and a veteran. I mean, you're no longer, you're not going to be wearing the uniform every day. So just remember that as you go through this. Thanks so much again for listening. Uh, This is the Vet Coach Transition Tips podcast. This is your host, Pat Bergstrasser, signing off. Please check us out at transitionvetcoach.com. And if I can do anything for you, please don't hesitate to email pat at transitionvetcoach.com. That's pat at transitionvetcoach.com. Guys, thanks so much again for listening, uh, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. For more transition tips and content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out transitionvetcoach.com. Thanks so much for your service and all you do. As always, if you have any questions, email Pat directly at pat at transitionvetcoach.com.